Hey, music lovers, the Cannamom Show podcast in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at lampkinguitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N-Guitars.com If you're a cannabis business owner looking to expand into new markets and need guidance and support you can trust, consider Collateral Base a group that has done it before in multiple merit-based and limited market states. Collateral Base was founded by an experienced cannabis attorney with highly educated consultants with master's degrees and years of experience in the cannabis industry. The Collateral Base team is confident they know cannabis licensing better than any of their peers. And I encourage you to see for yourself. It just takes one phone call. If you're ready to expand your cannabis business into new limited markets, contact Collateral Base today at 309-306-1095. That's 309-306-1095. Or visit collateralbase.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of Everything is Personal. Today... I have a skeleton with me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I have doctor, uh, because you can't see, those of you can't see, you can't see what's in the back of my, uh, my guest. So uh, we'll explain that in a little bit. But I have Dr. Ryan Peebles, who is the founder of Core Balance Training. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So uh, me, me too, uh, as well. You know, we talked briefly about... Uh, you know, what, what you do and, and stuff. And I want to dive into it, but I want to talk a little bit about your background. I find it interesting and fascinating. So let, let our audience know sort of a little bit about where you grew up and a little bit about like your, your childhood. Yeah. I'm from Southern California and had a pretty normal childhood, except I started getting back pain uh, at a pretty young age. I was about 16 years old and uh, that was just the beginning of a 10-year downward spiral uh, where it just continually got worse. So, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot to the story, but that's, that's my main influencing factor of my background of where, how I got to where I am today, now helping other people with, you know, helping them get out of back pain. So, so you're when when you grew up, you grew up in Southern California, and then uh, uh, were your parents uh, together? You have siblings. Yeah, I uh, have one sister, older, and uh, she's a uh, part of the team here. She's uh, top dog, actually. And then, um, yeah, my parents still together, and uh, we 
we grew up in South Orange County, uh, you know, Lake Forest specifically, and uh, spent a lot of time surfing at the beach, playing sports. Uh, was, you know, can't complain about that. So how did you first notice that you were having back? Like, what was, what was the first like sort of uh, symptom that you felt that you were having back pain? And where? Where was that back pain? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, if I think hindsight's 2020. So if I really think back, I think the first symptom before even I noticed the pain, which I wasn't really actually aware of at the time was the way I would sit on the couch watching TV. Cause that was a super popular thing to do in the nineties, right? That's what everybody did. So I would, uh, always would have to lay with my legs up over like the arm of the couch. And so I would sit like on the part of the couch on the sidewall and my legs would be over the arm and I would have the big back pillows like behind my back. And I think I can remember that because I still hate sitting. And so it started way back then. And I think that soon after that, uh, the pain started and it was just dull, achy pain. I think that's a really typical way for back pain to start, you know, right in the muscles, specifically of the low back. And uh, and then one day when I was at basketball camp, actually, high school, summer basketball, um, my coach asked me to lift up a cooler because uh, I was one of the bigger, stronger guys on the team. And so I went thinking, I don't know why I thought the cooler was empty. It was one of those big coolers for a team, basically. And I just went to casually lift an, up an empty cooler, but it was full of ice and drinks. And and that was when my I felt a little like seize in my back, uh, painful, like, I don't know, like a little snap or something. And then basketball practice was after that. And I, I remember having to, I was floored. I was, I had to like lay on my back on the cold basketball court, uh, for that practice. And, and that, you know, that continued on. I, of course I recovered enough to keep playing and stuff, but th- that was the beginning of the cycle. So you were already feeling adult pain in your back, uh, for a while. And then you went and picked something up and you felt that there was a like a shooting pain that immediately. So, you know, being an expert now in the field and, and we're not going to, I don't want to start talking about like core balance training yet. I just want to kind of set the stage. And the reason why I want to do this is because I've had my own back issues. My business partner is suffering. Uh, and I know plenty of people are going to get epidurals, going to get injections all the time. And like it's prevalent. There's back pain is a huge, huge business. But I want to understand the different ways it manifests in people because sometimes, you know, you're a surfer, right? So you surf, there's a lot of, and I know it's core strength and all that stuff. But, you know, some people get back like, oh man, especially like basketball players are always, it's back issues, it's back issues, it's back issues. My back is sore. What do I need? You know, you need some cold, you need this and that. But what's really going, what's really going on? What is manifesting? What is that? Because it hurt you before. And then you did something and you had adult from adult pain, went to a sharp pain. What happened? Yeah, that's a really good question because I think it's natural for people to look back and point at one specific event as the cause of their back pain. 
it was even something significant like a car accident, which it is often the cause of a, a longstanding problem. But it was when I bent down to pick this thing up or it was when I twisted wrong. And in fact, I believe that that is just the straw that broke the camel's back, that there were things. No, no pun really- intended. Right, right. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm so used to that one being a pun that uh, it just it just slips by me now. But that there there was a buildup potentially over years, maybe even decades, leading up to that moment where you know it's funny because I've heard of people talking about picking up something like not speci- not exactly, but like a toilet paper roll was the yeah. thing that broke that hurt their back and. And that's not actually possible. But if you have years of uh, wear and tear and then you do one wrong move, yeah, there's one little fiber of of your disc that finally snaps and that can cascade into a whole bunch of stuff. But that twist that you're pointing to as the cause wasn't actually the cause. It was just the end of the beginning or the the beginning of the end, however you want to look at it. Yeah, no, that makes that's what the sense. cooler was for me, yeah. and the buildup. We can get into that because that's, I think, what you're really asking. Yeah, let's let's get into the buildup because I'll tell you. So my personal experience is, I got in a car accident many, many, many years ago. From from there, I've had back issues, but I don't know. I've never checked it out. Never got it any. So at one point, um, at one point, I think. My back was hurting so bad, somebody suggested I get a, a chiropractic adjustment. And this is many years after. So I went to get a chiropractic adjustment. I got a first one. It was pretty good. I felt pretty good. I don't know if it helped, but it didn't help. Uh, you know, I wasn't in active pain at that time. Then I went to get a second uh, adjustment and somebody else did it. It was pretty rough uh, from what I remember. I went home and I opened up my oven. And I bend down to pick something up and I felt this sharp, like kind of, um, I don't know how else to describe it, like a sharp pain that, that something stabbed you. And I felt it. And when I started, you know, getting straight, I, I could feel it like still, it felt like something is stuck there and like pinching my nerve in, in a way. It's a sharp pain. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. So I like laid down on my bed. I couldn't move my neck because if I moved my neck, it hurts my back. And it persisted over the years, over and over and over. I would go on vacation. I would lift my bags uh, and my my ex-wife's bags. And my back would be up the first two days or whatever. I have to be like still. So that's what I want to, I want to get into, as you said, what, what happened? Like that's the moment, as you said, the, the straw moment. But what happened all before that to get me to that point and other people? Yeah, so this is a really big question um not in only in the sense that it's just like a big answer but uh you know it's uh, i'm gonna guess that what i say next is gonna be could be controversial there's just different viewpoints on that right so this is my opinion i i have dedicated my life to this and this is my opinion take it for what you want i believe that the root cause of most back problems is a a gradual onset of muscle imbalances and the cause of those muscle imbalances can be various things, but what muscle imbalances are 
basically imbalances in the amount of tension that is held the net, the resting tone of the muscles that surround your joints and so there you can zoom in and and apply this to really most joints in the body for example the knee a really common cause of knee pain is patellofemoral tracking disorder where that's where your kneecap tracks a little bit laterally a little bit to the outside of the knee joint and it's rubbing up against your your femur bone that's often and maybe always caused by an imbalance in your quad muscles. The inside quad is weaker and more inhibited and lengthened, and the outside quad is tight, overly tight, and so it pulls that kneecap over. So you can apply this to the whole body where the lower back is surrounded by the abdominals, the lower back muscles, you know, the, the sides and the glutes underneath, and so there's all these muscles surrounding them, and the, the amount of tension or tone is what we call it, is resting state of a muscle, just gets a little bit out of balance in those muscles, pulls the pelvis or the spine a little bit out of alignment, and so that those joints in there are not as congruent as they normally would be. So, you know, you have a perfectly congruent joint, like a door hinge, you shift it off a little bit, and there's a little friction happening in that joint. Well, that friction is the slow, gradual thing that happens. Slow wear and tear. You may not even feel it for a while. It gets bad enough, you start to feel it, and then, then the tissues are compromised, and then you go down, bend down to pick something up, which is a stressful motion if you're not doing it with a healthy way, and that's a whole nother can we can talk about. Um, and that's enough to make a little micro tear in the tissue, and then that shoots pain up to your brain, and then there you go. That's... That that cycle can go on and on. So so it would be what you'd be feeling is the micro tear in the tissue, in the muscle tissue. It's not necessarily like a disc itself. It's not necessarily a no. It could be itself. a tear in a disc tissue. It could okay. be tear in a, a ligament. It could be. I mean, a, a herniated disc is yeah. is just a tear in the annulus of the disc. You know, so it's most likely little micro traumas, and maybe a heavier lift will cause a little bit bigger of a tear. And we, those are the things that we feel. But it's it usually the pain starts in the muscles because those that's the those are the protective mechanisms. Hmm. That's the only dynamic thing we have going for us that can say, "Hey, I feel something's wrong. I'm gonna tighten up so that we can prevent something bad from happening." We don't have other tissues that do that. Yeah, and I'm so, so glad you said that. Chronically tight muscle is painful because it's not getting enough blood flow. It's not getting oxygen. It's it's suffocating, and so that that is enough to cause pain. Um, but if that doesn't work, then the tissues are getting and actually that itself, that protective mechanism of the muscles, actually causes more imbalances in the body because what we know. I could predict that in most people with chronic back problems, their lower back muscles are chronically tight. Their abdominal muscles are a little bit inhibited, a little bit lengthened, and we can go throughout the whole body and there's actually a, a pattern. Um, and so this does, it puts the joints a little bit out of alignment. Just They're just not perfectly congruent. And when they're not congruent, there's a little more friction than normal. So I'm so glad you said that because... I I want people to understand that pain, just the feeling of pain, not not your, uh, not sort of your uh, acute 
pain in the moment where you did something, you felt something. That that pain that you feel gradually over time, it's a signal that yeah. something is going on. You need to yeah. listen to that. Stop numbing the pain. Listen to the pain is telling you something. Go address maybe the cause of that pain instead of numbing that. And that's what most people do. Yeah. And so this is perfect. I love how this is going because this begs the next question. What is causing the, those, those muscle imbalances? Mm-hmm. Why do we get the muscle imbalances that lead to this cascade that I just talked about? And so that's the, this is where it gets real controversial. It's like, you know, per, you know, the easy one is lifestyle. So we sit too much. We sit way more than humans did hundreds and thousands of years ago. And sitting is a repetitive posture and our bodies are constantly adapting to what we do. So the sitting muscles, the hip flexors are chronically tight that they attach directly to the lumbar spine. So when they're chronically tight and then we stand up, they're pulling on the spine. They're directly pulling out of alignment. That's really easy to see. But I think that the one that, that I think is really prevalent that isn't talked about very much is chronic stress. Because I think we can agree that we hold stress in our bodies you know, stress leads to certain symptoms. It manifests physically in our bodies, like tension. You know, so a lot of people can feel it in their upper trap muscles right here. Um, a lot of people hold stress in their hips. And um, when you ho- and this is different than the way humans used to live. We used to have stress, kind of like more, more acute stress, like we were in acute danger from another tribe or an animal or what the storm came or whatever, and then it would go away and we could let go of our stresses. But today we're dealing with financial stress, political, religious, does global warming really exist? Are we going to argue about it? All these things, family, and these are low level, chronic levels of stress that I don't think that humans were really evolved or adapted to deal with. And so this chronic low-level muscle tension doesn't release. It doesn't go away. And so we're walking around with these low, this low-level chronic muscle tension that's gently pulling us just slightly out of alignment. And I think that is a big contributor to why what you started the podcast with. Yeah. Back pain is so prevalent. And I don't really know anybody that live, you know, except the people that live on a boat in the French, you know, French Polynesia. <laughs> yeah. They probably have their own made up stress, but pretty much everybody's dealing with this. And I agree with everything you said. And I was going to ask, especially like, what's the difference between like neck pain and back pain? You're still, you know, you still, it's vertebrae. So is there a difference? Because a lot of people have lower back pain, but then they also have that, you know, my neck kind of hurts and they get their necks adjusted and all that stuff. But I always thought that it's two separate things. Maybe they're, they're not. Stress is a big, big reason. And maybe you can talk about like, what is the mechanism? Because I always thought about this whole release of cortisol, right? You have this and you have this imbalance of your immunal response to things and, and your immune system can overreact and you can create inflammation. And then like, there's a whole domino effect to how this works. And it goes around and around and around. And people like this industry, this, this pain industry is like a gazillion dollar industry. And all we're trying to do is 
take it away, but we don't want to take it away by doing any work and finding out what's causing it. We want to just block it. I don't want to feel pain. I deal with this on a daily basis with people. Well, are you listening to the pain? It's telling you something. Let's dig deeper. So I, I don't know. If, I don't even know if I asked the question right now, <laughs> leading true to something because I'm, I'm trying to let people understand uh, and then lead them to what they can do about it. But I want them to understand that there are causes, and you're absolutely. I agree with you 100 percent on on the stress and then the mechanism of stress, but also listening to your body and saying, I don't need to numb this. I need to take action to do something about the root cause of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm, I've got a couple of things I can say. I don't think there was a question there, so that gives me some freedom. <laughs> yeah, so I want to kind of share my beliefs on what why this makes sense for the body to do this. Like, what, is the body just torturing us? Like, why does it create this chronic muscle tension? Why is this happening? Well, the pattern of muscles that tend to get tight, there's always a really... It's very predictable which muscles tend to tighten up, like the upper traps or the hip flexors, and which muscles tend to get inhibited. Uh, It's throughout the body. The pattern of muscles that tend to get tight are the same muscles that would bring us functionally into the fetal position, which is the protective position. Hmm. So it may be that the body is trying to protect us from these perceived dangers as it would if we were getting attacked back in the day. Well, we may not just have these systems in our body for low-level stress that exists for 20, 30 years. And so it's, it's, not, it's not fully bringing us into the fetal position. It's just tightening those muscles a little bit as a response. And so in that sense, we're going to tie this back around to the first thing you said is this is why, and one of the reasons why chronic low back pain and neck pain are very similar, very tied together. Um, not only are the causes really similar and that it's an imbalance in muscles that surround the cervical spine or the lumbar spine, but the solutions are very similar. And in the, in the pattern of the body that, that happens, the thoracic spine or your mid back and upper back, it tends to hunch forward and it tends to get really stiff your rib cage area gets really stiff and that causes a lot of strain on the neck to have to move a lot more because the, the whole 12 segments below it aren't moving enough and the lower back, same thing because the 12 segments of up above it aren't moving enough. So you got to turn to look over here or do whatever. It's the lower back and the neck that are doing the vast majority of the work. And that, and that I think leads to wear and tear leads to repetitive trauma. And so, um, you know, I forgot where else you kind of went with your question well, comment. Let's, let's go, let's go back to your own journey because I sort of, sort of went on a detour, but I want to go back to, uh, your, your basketball, you, you lifted, you were laying on the floor because I, I, I'm a big believer in people have to have their own personal journey in order for it motivates them to go into a certain my field that want to help people because you can empathize better because you went through it yourself and yeah. nothing against nothing against healthcare professionals that didn't I'm sure they may have but when you when you have it you you can empathize with the people that have it too you know so yeah. that's why I wanted to talk a little bit about your your journey growing up and did you want to be 
a physical therapist? Did you want to be a doctor? And the reason why is because you went and saw people that helped you and you wanted to do that too. Yeah, really good. Really good. We can go there. So um, my, I was fortunate enough that my mom, she worked for a school district and they gave us like our family had the best health insurance. So what that meant was I had access to pretty much any doctor, any physical therapy, whatever I wanted, I could go see. And it was like, they don't even make health insurance this good anymore. <laughs> so I could just go, I could just find somebody online and be like, oh, he's the best. And I did that for, you know, the better part of a decade. I was just seeking somebody to fix me. And you could probably guess where I'm going to go with this, but I was, I was seeking help. Uh, and I did, I got a lot of help, but I never fully got out of it. And, and the, every time my back pain got worse, it, you know, it was worse than the, than the flare up that I had before. And so I knew I wasn't really going in the right direction, but then I'd go get Pete physical therapy again and I would get a little bit better and they would discharge me and the cycle would continue. So this went on and, and it got to the point in my life where it it took my passions away from me. I couldn't play basketball anymore. I couldn't lift weights anymore. And I couldn't do my favorite thing in the world, which was surf. And I went, I, there were about two years I was living on the beach in Huntington beach and I was watching and occasionally crying while watching the other people surf and I couldn't. And so that was, that became my drive. That became my motivation. Uh, and then when I was, it was, I was about eight years into my back pain journey. And, uh, and I, so I was 24 years old and I ha- still have it in, written in my journal. I, I said, I, I'm dedicating my life to healing my back pain. I, I am going to take responsibility instead of searching for someone else to fix me. Cause clearly I've gone to, you know, I've gone to some of the best medical centers around and, and they are, I don't know if I'm going to find my guru. I have to become my guru. And so uh, I just started educating myself and I didn't just start, I had been already leading up to this. I had probably already gotten to a point where I like, I was starting to feel, I was starting to think that I could do it. I was getting a little confidence through the education. Um, and so I just tripled down on that and a lot of internet research, a lot of experimentation with my own body. I found, um, People online that uh, were really inspiring. I found uh, Dr. M- uh, McGill. I found Dr. Uh, Vladimir Yanda, who coined the term cross posture syndrome, which is the basis for um, you know my beliefs about chronic, mm-hmm. you know, the predictable pattern of muscle imbalances. And um, so it was education, self education, that was my solution. And, um, I, I did want to come and I remember what you were saying before is like, we got to do something about it, right? We got to listen to our body. And, you know, it took a long time. I learned the hard way for, in a lot of cases to realize that, you know, we're fighting a constant battle of wanting to go away from pain and towards pleasure. That's the human existence, right? And we want to, we, we want to avoid pain and go towards pleasure and, and, with back pain, that's it's really tough because most things you do hurt. Yeah. It's hard to do things without using your back, even sitting at a desk, right? So 
So it makes you want to do nothing. And I spent a lot of days laying on my back on the living room floor. And those days didn't help me. And so there is a point where you have to do, you have to realize that you have to do. And sometimes there's, there is going to be a little pain involved. And the, the, the hardest pain is just getting the motivation, the mental, you know, the perseverance to, to commit to, to doing something for your body every single day. It's so easy to be lazy these days. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, you know, it's, a, it's an entire art form of learning how to listen to your body. And if you, if you do, like, just think, everyone can think. You can think right now. What is something that I know I could go do right now that actually, typically when I do that thing, it helps my body feel better. I feel better. If everyone that's struggling to get out of back pain just followed that rule and said, I'm going to do more of that thing and less of the thing that I know hurts me, like sitting, and you just follow that, do more of what's working and less of what's hurting, you're going to be on a, a, path, a path in the right direction. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. I agree with you about the uh, avoidance of pain and pursuit of pleasure. You know, that's that's human nature. But without a little bit of pain and discomfort, there's really no growth. So when you go to the gym, your muscles hurt a little bit, but that's the way they get bigger. So you have to be push yourself through that. So let's let's go to uh, core balance training. What is core balance training? What is so unique about that? Maybe you can uh, talk a little bit about what you do. Uh, Core balance training is a movement retraining program that teaches people how to develop more awareness of the deep core muscles, the ones that support the spine. They're underneath the six-pack abs. They're not visible. You don't really have to know their names, but there's a bunch of little tiny muscles in there. And so it's a relatively low intensity program that teaches people what I call core connection. And so it's a 12 module online program, go at your own pace. Uh, there's coaching involved, but a lot of watching videos of a, a very systematic, like start at step one get confident with it, then go to step two, and so on. It's a very systematic approach to developing a a renewed sense of core awareness and a stronger, healthier relationship with your core. And I use renewed because uh, we all used to have this. uh, The program is modeled after human development from infancy, you know, to basically the age of four years old, when a, where a four-year-old child has perfect posture and movement, a normal, healthy, you know, with no abnormal development, right. uh, four-year-old child has perfect posture and movement. And they did that. They developed that without learning what a muscle is or how to contract it or, or any of that stuff. They just developed it organically. And so the program's kind of modeled after that. So we start on the floor like an infant and we develop a core connection uh that that a baby not we try to just mimic how a baby develops their core because that's the first thing that develops before their arms and legs so we're trying ultimately the goal of the program is to shift away from a limb dominant movement pattern where we're overusing our arms and legs and our core is more or less soft to a core dominant movement pattern 
where the core is the driver of your movement and it's your center of power. So, you know, I heard core uh, because I've had my own back issues and, you know, work your core and it'll help your back. So one of the ways that most people work their core is they're doing crunches, right? I see that all the time. Is that really the right way to work on your core that will support your back? Because it seems it's counterproductive if you have back issues and you're doing crunches. Yeah. So crunches are, are definitely not something you want to be doing. Uh, if you have muscle imbalances, you have incongruent joints in your vertebrae, just doing that repetitive bending forward is going to increase the amount of friction and wear and tear in there. Uh, that's been proven enough to the point where they took sit-ups out of uh, boot camp training in the military. So, you know, that's that was a big problem. Back pain was a big problem for our soldiers. And uh, they have removed sit-ups from, from uh, the you know, they still do push-ups and pull-ups and stuff like that. They don't do sit-ups anymore. So you shouldn't be doing them either. Uh, the type of core that you want to train is the type that will help you not just in the gym, or to look like you have muscles in your abs, but the type that that you don't that the muscles that don't really get any glory, those are the ones that support your spine. They live underneath and they just squeeze like a corset brace. That's their job, and that type of squeezing is extremely supportive to help you go through your day and go do some yard work and go do the dishes and lift up your kid. These are muscles that we train in the program and they're they're designed to have endurance to go all day long. And I think you asked like what's the, what makes the program so different? That's really what makes the program so different. We're not training for the gym. We're training for moving through your day-to-day life. The other 23 hours of the day basically. So if you were to give an example like a what what's one thing we can do daily uh, to start working on you know our core? Uh, and I'm not telling anybody like don't give away any secrets because you want people to go. There's and take no the secrets. Course. Yeah, right. I could talk to the cows come home about this, and it's really it's just you know it it would be impossible for me to like give away the program because uh, it, it's not something you can learn in words. It's something you learn. It's a, you're, we're learning feelings. We're learning a relationship with our muscles. And you can't read that in a book. You can't watch that in a video. It requires you to actually get down on the floor. So one thing that everyone can do that would probably help them in their lives is get down on the floor every day and just just like interact with gravity in a different plane and feel your body, feel the connection to the floor. And in the program, we have specific areas of the body we call support zones that we mm-hmm. connect to the floor. And then that's modeled after how the what infants push away from when they're all they're trying to do is get up off the floor and be like everyone else. And so they're pushing away from the floor, from these support zones. They're not really pushing away from their arms and legs yet because they're not strong enough. Their arms are just waving around. They're not, they're just noodles, but the core is incredibly strong. You've had, you have a daughter, so you probably noticed that. So uh, they're pushing away from certain parts of their torso 
and we model after that. So just get on the floor. You know, everybody can do learn the the support zone in your back because uh, uh we we give that first module away for free. So uh, you just you could do that for months. You could do that every day for your life. Your your life would definitely improve. Yeah, yeah. That's why I want to give people like some. You know, here's one thing you can do every single day that'll help you work towards achieving, you know, a a strong core and that balance that, that you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you want to feel a healthy core engagement and you want to be able to develop it in a way that could be reproducible through and while you're doing just mundane life tasks. And that mm-hmm. doesn't mean a hundred percent engagement. Actually, the art of this is learning how to do it at sometimes 2% or 10% engagement where your spine is supported. And I think that's kind of part of our culture too, is like, it's like hundred miles in an hour or zero chilling on the couch. And a lot of what we have to do in life is actually somewhere in between that. And so our abdominal muscles, it's better to have 10% support for your spine than zero. So our abdominals muscles shouldn't be going on 100% or off. The the magic sweet spot is learning this subtle ramping up of core engagement, depending on what you're doing. You're doing yard work. You're going to lift a heavy bag of soil. It might have to ramp up a little higher, but you're just planting a tomato plant. You don't, you don't want your core to be off. You want it to be uh, subtly supporting your spine. And so getting on the floor and reminding your body of how we originally developed our core is one of the best things you can do. Um, I, you know, I could have answered walk every day because that would be a really easy answer. But I think a lot of people could give that answer. Walking yeah. is really good for you. The thing that I want to contribute that you might not hear everywhere is get on the floor and connect to your core. Just experiment with your body and find a way for how can you like push away from the floor like babies do and feel an, a healthy engagement in your abdominal muscles and meditate on that. Uh, that that's really good advice. And, uh, you know, from, from me personally, I discovered yoga and I'll, I'll talk about mind body connection a little bit, cause I have some questions about that too. Uh, but I, that really helped me a lot. And then from there, I started hiking and I kind of connected with walking. So running was hard on my knees. I, I hyperflex my knees. Mm. So I, they're just, when I run, they swell. It's just not that just mm. my posture. I don't know. Uh, maybe that's how my knees are developed. Uh, so, yep. but hiking totally doesn't do that. It actually does the opposite. Like feel amazing. Plus, you know, connecting with nature and that's my flow state, but that's sort of the, uh, my exercise. So uh, the reason why I bring this up is I think we all can connect to something. Like so, so once we have the basics and we understand how our, our own body moves, now we can find what we like to do. And when we really enjoy it, we'll do it all the time. Like you, you surf. Like if somebody, if somebody says, Oh, you know what, uh, Ryan, forget surfing. You know, you have to go to the gym every single day and you then have to go through a circuit workout you'll be like, fuck that. You know, I love sir. That does, that works for me. I'm not doing that shit. You know, so that kind of thing, when you connect and you love it, you're pulled to want to do that all the time. 
Yeah, I think that's a uh, really powerful thing. I uh, should have mentioned that in my story is that I, maybe I started going there. Is that if it weren't it for surfing, I don't think I would have been able to heal my own back because that was the motivation for me that I wanted to get back to being able to do something I love. And I think it's really important that no matter what you're doing, whether you're working out or trying to get out of pains, you need to have, you need to be either enjoying what you're doing or enjoying why you're doing it. You have to have a why. And, uh, yeah. So for me, you know, I was at the point where I really couldn't do anything I enjoy. So, you know, maybe hiking in nature, uh, was, isn't an option for everybody, but do what you got to do so that you can get back to hiking in nature. So I, I completely agree. I think you always got to have a why and you got always got to be doing it for something that brings you joy. Back pain. What we talk about is like that, the muscle pain that you just described, uh, when should be we be careful because when like shooting back pain that's not the same as the back pain we're describing or is it like when when should somebody be like oh shit this is something that's a little bit different than my normal back pain as as like you know millions of people have every single day yeah that's a really good question i don't know if i've ever been asked it in that way before so yes, the answer is definitely there is that point at which you need to go see somebody. Uh, I would say a, a clear line that I would draw is if you uh, experience the loss of motor control of any muscles or you know the ability to lift up your foot or you know move your leg out to the side or definitely bowel, bowel or bladder control like those are hard lines go now and you need to get those nerves uh uncompressed you know you need to relieve the pressure on the off the nerve so that the nerve doesn't die you know and and it takes a while so you, it's not like it's like you, you, you don't need to freak out but you want to you want to get that nerve it, to be able to breathe again within, a, uh, I think, a couple weeks, probably, you know, so that's one. And, and then the body will, other than that, you're dealing with, so that's motor. Yeah. You have two types of nerves that we, that we're mainly dealing with in the body and there's motor and then there's sensory. Mm-hmm. Sensory is, is what pain falls into. So other than the motor stuff, I would say with all the sensory nerves that are getting compressed, bodies are just going to let you know. So they're really good at communicating yeah. that. So I don't think, you know, if, if it's a mild, annoying pain, that's probably the amount that you need to worry. It's probably kind of mild and you should get up off your ass and go for a walk, uh, get down on the floor. But, you know, if it's genuinely excruciating, like emergency room pain, then you probably should consider going to the emergency room. And the body's really good at, uh, you know, communicating that type of stuff. So most people are going to be somewhere in the middle, like moderate to strong pain. And, um, you know, the ones that are really more bothersome are the, 
the radicular symptoms like an, a nerve compression that's causing cramping or spasming or shooting or burning or cold or numbness. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like the more mild, you know, those things are super bothersome. You want you probably should do something about that sooner than later. Like in any, any scale of pain, the body's trying to tell you to do something. So you might as well start now and nip it in the bud, even right. if it's mild. What's, what's the intervention that like, so for me specifically in my journey, uh, I read a book by Dr. John Sarno called healing back pain. So it illuminated everything. Like before that, I was uh, I was I had an appointment for an epidural. I didn't know, and because the doctors were saying to you, "Oh, we have to do it's gotten bad. We have to do an epidural. Where the shots aren't working." And when I and I I read the book and I was like, "Wait a second, that's me. I it's stress. And I hold my stress here versus here, and it's definitely." And I started looking at a pattern. Well, what's before I go on vacation? I'm stressed because I want to make sure everything is good. So all that stuff made total sense for me. And like I said, I discovered yoga and also, um, you know, p- plant medicine uh, that that worked for me. And it wasn't about do I numb the pain with plant. It wasn't. I wasn't using it with that intention. I was using it with the intention to relieve the inflammation to to get everything back in a balance that you're talking about. So couple questions in here. Number one, your thoughts about, and you already sort of alluded to this, so I just want you to expound yeah, the yeah, mind-body yeah. connection and uh-huh. also the addition of other, you know, maybe plant medicines, what you, you feel about that too. Yeah. So um, I used to go to like a Barnes and Noble back in the day when those stores were still more popular and just try to find books on back pain. And I came across Dr. Sarno's book called Healing Back Pain. And it also changed my life. And I remember reading the very, it wasn't even the first chapter. It was like the introduction. And I'm going, that's me. This is me. Oh my gosh. I found my, I found it, the Holy Grail. And um, it was definitely a huge turning point in my back pain journey. Did it cure me? No, but it gave me a, it opened my eyes to a new perspective about what could be contributing or causing my back pain. That that mm-hmm. is the psychological, emotional component that you're referring to. Do I believe in that? 100%. Yeah. I believe everything. I think everybody should read that book. It's one of the recommended readings. I have a book list for students yeah. in the program. And uh, I think everybody should read it that's struggling with it. You know, it's not just back pain. It could apply to a lot of different things. But it, it, it does... It does align with the idea that back pain is caused by muscular tension, muscle imbalances, and um, and the relationship between stress that uh, and the, that muscle tension. Mm-hmm. So I agree with everything I could I could say for sure. But th- there is one major thing that I disagree with about uh, that, Doctor. John Sarno says in that book, he says that back pain is 100% psychological. I actually believe that it's a contributing factor, but there are other factors too, such as lifestyle, sitting too much, um, you know, 
And we're going to rule, we're going to exclude traumatic injuries like car accidents. Sure. Cause I couldn't imagine that Dr. Sarno wouldn't, uh, you know, imagine, you know, right. you know what I'm trying to say. So yeah. chronic, you know, gradual onset, uh, still, I, I believe posture matters. And so, um, and that would be more of the, uh, Dr. McGill camp where he says yeah. back pain is 100% mechanical. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm somewhere between, I'm in the middle right. and I think, yeah, there's mechanical factors and there's psychological factors. And yeah, don't, I don't, uh, I don't deny either. So going back to the additional question about plant medicine and I, and I, and I'm in full agreement with you because I definitely believe there is, there are contributing factors physical contributing factors. It's not just 100% mental uh, because, you know, it makes total sense. Misalignment, muscles. So it does make sense and there's both. But to be able to maybe utilize, uh, like I said, plant medicines to, to, number one, physically reduce inflammation. Number two, maybe to be able to get your mind to quiet. So meditation you know, that's, that's a, a belief. Uh, I'm assuming that you believe that that's a contributing factor and that helps uh, people. But if you're, but if you're using plant medicine, let's say it's microdosing, or let's say it's, it's cannabis in, in whatever amount is required, not to be able to, like I said, numb you, but be able to allow your mind to quiet that, uh, you know, constant, you know, fight or flight release of uh, cortisol and all that stuff. What are your thoughts on that? A hundred percent agree. Yeah. I, I think that plant medicine, uh, a, a wide variety of plant medicine can be used in your favor, uh, from something as simple as turmeric, which is extremely powerful for reducing inflammation that can just help break, help break you out of a cycle that you might be stuck in. And if you can lower that inflammation, that can allow you to do something else that you weren't doing before, whether it's just have more energy to get up and do things, or maybe physically actually be able to do something. Um, and I know, uh, CBD has anti-inflammatory, um, effects, right? Yeah. And then, yeah, if we're talking about microdosing, that I think that could be very powerful. By the way, I was I didn't think I mentioned microdosing on what because somebody says, "Oh, I can take a little bit of heroin and microdose on that." <laughs> I meant <laughs> I meant psilocybin uh, people. Yeah. That's what I was referring to. <laughs> so yeah, this is good. I haven't gone here on with anyone, but I really, really believe in what I'm about to say. So the psychological effects of pain can be extremely catastrophic it can be really damaging you know loss of hope uh depression anxiety uh fear of the future fear of how am i you know i remember being in my early 20s being like how am i gonna be 40 someday and i had doctors i had multiple doctors who i looked up to say comments to me that i still remember today they had a large impact on my psyche like if you don't change course you're going to be in a wheelchair by the time you're 30 like i remember word for word that came from a chiropractor so the psychological impact it can be a a cycle that actually you also get stuck in and that can lead you into terrible places and i think using 
something like psilocybin to just reset your whatever pathways, whatever firing patterns are happening up there that lead us to be stuck in these cycle of negative thought loops uh, can be extremely powerful. Um, I think that the, I've said this many times before, I think that the battle against back pain is 90% mental. Uh, even if we're using exercises primarily to help ourselves, it's a mental battle to, to commit, to get down on the floor and do them. And while you're doing them, you, you have to be super focused and tuned into your body. That's all mental. And so sometimes we have these tools and the research is out there. I don't even think sometimes I, I really think that they should be used more. And I think psilocybin is very powerful. It, it can provide, I don't know how to say it. It's like, if you don't know, you don't know, but it can provide a, a wonderful reset to your mindset and, mm-hmm. and let you see beauty again. And being able to see beauty again uh, can give you hope. And that hope can help you break out of maybe this cycle of having no hope that's been so bad for you for so long. And, and it's, it almost feels like you can start a new day, you know, wake up tomorrow and, and it be a new day again, rather than wake up and be stuck in this life and this body again. So, yeah, yeah. I I agree with you a hundred percent on hope. Uh, And there's psilocybin is one tool. There's MDMA, which is now going to be legal for, uh, PTSD and depression, but but and also ketamine uh, has been used and, and it's legal. And there's other, not that it's plant medicine, but I'm just saying that it's. I don't know if you call it alternative, traditional, whatever you want to call. It, but there's different there's different things, and and it all goes back to this mind body connection. Uh, when you're in pain, the only thing that you think about is how to get rid of this pain, and people are have a feeling of dread. Like this is, oh my, you know, everything, everything is supported by that. But that glimmer of hope that you can have, that can pull you out of the darkness and into light. So whatever you can do to be able to get that hope, get that light again, I I think that it propels momentum for you to want to do more. Maybe today you'll walk down your block. And I've had these conversations with people that are, you know, came through my company and like, I can't get out. I mean, just have a little glimmer of hope that you walk from your home to the the end of your block. It's not long. You did it. Amazing. Now it gives you that momentum and you can kind of follow through with that. Yeah. I think what another thing you're talking about is gratitude, right? Yeah. I'm so grateful I have two legs and that I can walk. That makes me feel like goosebumps. Right. And then, and then you can build on that. Uh, I think that's a really powerful thing. And I think that the tools that we're talking about, um, psilocybin and, and there's others that are manufactured to be similar to psilocybin and they're, they're not, they don't grow out of the ground like, like a mushroom does. But, uh, you know, they, they kind of address similar pathways in the brain. Yeah. They, have this effect the the that can provide you this ability to see beauty and see from a different way 
and um and they can inspire things like gratitude and hope and uh yeah i can't i can't recommend everybody at least don't don't rule it out yeah no did you uh through your healing journey did you uh uh did you use plant medicine cannabis psilocybin or anything else uh anytime i used cannabis like in the traditional way i would actually feel my back pain increase yeah and I don't. I never knew if that was psych, psychological or if it was actually physiological. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can educate me about well, that because it was, was very consistent. It, it, it depends on. It depends a lot on how cannabis is being used. For, for some people, what happens is it it blocks the noise. So because you're going through your day and all this stuff is going on, so now for some people it allows you to. Focus, hyper-focus. So if you're hyper-focusing on my back hurts, well, guess what? It's going to shut down all the other noise and you're going to be focusing on my back hurts instead of I'm doing great to heal my back. So now your mind shifts and you're focusing on that. So it does, for some people, allow that. And and when some people have those thoughts, it's a check-in with yourself. Why is this happening all the time? that's, That's on my mind all the time. That's what one of the things I thought where it actually could have benefited me because it allowed me to almost, I'm going to give some, some of my history away, but like on a nightly basis, I would be checking in with myself being like, all right, I really need to like take care of this. I can't ignore this part of my life. I I really need to double down like tomorrow. And, um, I, I, I did feel like my focus and this this leads into pain, but what was was narrowed to the pain, and that increased the pain. And and we were talking today on my team about how pain behavior is is so interesting in that way. And, and you know, just just talking about pain, you can feel you you can inc- feel an increase in yeah. your pain just from thinking about it, talking about it, even reading the word. Ooh, my, yeah, my back does hurt. Um, is very much, uh, it it originates in the brain. You know, the signals that come from the area that hurt are not actually pain yet. They go to the brain and they become pain signals and the body sends those signals back down to the area. Um, and, and so in, in that sense, it is so highly dependent on your mindset and your thoughts. And, uh, yeah, it really ties into all, all this stuff we're talking about. Yeah. Excellent stuff, man. Uh, all right. So I have a few questions I ask all my guests uh, again, too. Uh, I, I'm not going to talk about cannabis as well, because you sort of alluded to that. Uh, uh, but that that's something that I ask my guests. I'm going to talk about music a little bit. Uh, so do you uh, do you remember the first concert that you ever attended? So like, what was it? Ooh, it probably, I mean, I immediately think of Jack Johnson. Yeah. Um, I was yeah. going to guess Jack Johnson. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I don't know why, but it was a uh, Irvine Amphitheater. Mm-hmm. I think that place is still open. That place was awesome because they have the grass uh, behind all the stands. And yeah, so I that's probably my best guess. <laughs> well, do you know what? What do you remember? The last concert you went to? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a few weeks ago. I went to the. 
final tour of Dead and Company. I saw the last three shows that they performed uh, in San Francisco. And yeah, that was uh, the end of, I think it was like 62 years of of Grateful Dead. And they, they, they played three shows, three nights in a row. It was life-changing. <laughs> yeah, super cool. Um, all right, so another music question. For a whole year, you have to listen to five albums. Now, you don't have to remember the name of uh, the actual album. Like you can say Pink Floyd or whatever it is. But what would be five albums? And you're only listening to these five for an entire year. Tommy. Um, I'd have to throw Sublime in there just because it was, uh, it's like a, Brings back nostalgic memories for me. Forty ounces of freedom, man. That's Probably it. forty ounces. Yeah, um, I would say Pink Floyd, Animals. Um, I'm gonna have to go with uh, a live, a live album, like a, a, ni- a ni- 1977 Barton Hall Grateful Dead album, and uh, I gotta throw in some Bob Marley to cover all my bases. Yeah. <laughs> Great, man. Love it. Um, so bonus question, please describe what your room looked like growing up. I had a 19 inch TV, like a, one of those box TVs. And, uh, I would sit on my bed and watch Lakers games. And I would, I would like hold my breath and do all kinds of weird things trying to get them to come back and uh because it was before i i started i was a huge fan even before kobe and Shaq. so it's like eddie eddie jones and i went to school with eddie jones, by the way I, he was oh, actually yeah. in my class i went to temple yeah and eddie and i him aaron mckee and uh I'm trying to remember who else but they were both in my class in a, a few of my classes yeah so you could imagine that's awesome by the way <laughs> You could imagine my walls were covered with uh, posters and pennants of Dodgers. Uh, I had some football ones, but you know we never had really a football team back then, so it was probably like the Kansas City Chiefs or something. I don't know why, but um, yeah, and uh, that was that was the main stuff in my room was sports and a bed and a TV. <laughs> cool. Hey, right. Where can people engage with you? Where can people find out more information, uh, you know, attend your courses and all that stuff? I say the best way to just uh, learn more about what we do and some, you know, some, I talk about all the different topics related to back pain is just YouTube. So core balance training on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Um, If you want to cut to the chase and get to like the most valuable video that I've created, it's, uh, you can go to corebalancetraining.com slash masterclass. And it's a free 15-minute masterclass that talks about with visuals, like what I believe to be the root cause of the vast majority of chronic lower back pain conditions and what I believe to be the solution, which, hint, it has something to do with the core. Yeah. I wouldn't have got that from the name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. yeah uh, the name brother, is Brother, listen, man. What, what you're doing is... An- amazing i i just i deal with so many people with back pain like this is this is an epidemic like i yeah. don't think people realize how many people and 
and, the, and, and people don't know what to do. And I'm just encouraging people as much as possible. Stop numbing the pain. You're just yeah. making big pharma even richer. I'm nothing against uh, the pharmaceutical industry. I'm just saying that listen to your body and, and try to do something different to be able to get to the root cause of what's uh, that's phenomenal advice. Yeah. Listen to your body. And, and that's an, that's a skill. So you can improve at listening to your body and involves, it involves responding, like active listening, and then also educate yourself. Uh, don't depend on others that right now, the medical system does not have a solution to chronic lower back pain. I'll, so, I'll save you that all that time and energy. There's no good solution out there. The best solution I know is to educate yourself Get more in tune with your body and listen to it and do the things it's telling you, make it feel good and do less of the things that are hurting it. Great. Thank you, man. Appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you, Len. Uh, it was great. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.